0: Who's ready for the Word of God? It's all that matters in life, all right? So Exodus chapter 21, let's turn there if you would. We're going to jump right into it. If you are new, I'm Joel. It is good to have you here. Um, We're first, so we're going to start with a little activity, with a little game. Greatest board game ever invented is... Monopoly is the only answer, that or risk. That or risk, and I will crush you at both. I may cheat, but that doesn't matter. Somebody said categories. I need to ask you to get out. I just I heard it. It did something in my spirit. Um, the uh, yeah, it's some pretty cool game. We're gonna play another game. Anybody grow up playing Pictionary? Yeah. All right. So you literally just got more excited about that than when I said, "Are you ready for the Word of God?" Strong, Come on. So what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to draw something up here. And uh, if you know this from the first service and you um, you're not allowed to call this out, like I'm trusting you to actually know God and to be a decent person. <laughs> it's called cheating. And we'll have none of it at Chapel Point. Okay, unless it's by me. So I'm going to draw something. First person to call it out, you get a... Transform follower T-shirt, all right? Because who's a transform follower, right? And uh, I love transform follower T-shirts. You want to know why? Because I have found out that a lot of people don't, even people who claim to know Jesus, they're too ashamed to wear them. If we're too ashamed to wear a shirt that says transform follower, you still need to know Jesus Christ. Seriously, I'm like, oh, that just makes me print out in bolder colors. That's all that does. So if you need a different uh, size, we'll get you a different size. Okay, are you ready? And I know some of you are going to be like, you stood in my way. I couldn't get it. Um, I don't care. (laughs) All right, so ready? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with you people? It's what happens, like, both days in Michigan when it's sunny, you're like, yeah, it's so good outside. Ready? Ready? Somebody just said Joel. That's rude. It's rude. Whoa, I heard it. Who said bullseye? Did you cheat? Okay, you get a free shirt. Give that to them, please. There you go. All right. It is a bullseye. And then you do this right here. And just to make you happy, here I am. All right. No. All right. So what we got to do is this. This is what we're talking about today. All right. Everybody say Yara. yara. One more time. Yara. yara. That's Hebrew. All right. So is it actually in, in, in about a year ago, I hit a little bit of this with you because I think it's so important. You got to hear it again over and over. You got to hear this. Um, the first five books of the Bible are referred to as the Pentateuch, penta meaning five, right? Or the Torah or the Law. Um, Torah actually comes from the, the root word yara, which, in its depth, in its meaning, really means teaching or instruction. If you don't, if you don't, I'm going I'm about to tell you guys this right here. The next ten minutes. Why we are struggling so much today as a society, why there's such a resistance to Scripture, to God, and everything else. So if you've ever gone, I don't know how to talk about this, or if you've ever said, what do I do with this? If you've ever been that person before, write down the next five to ten minutes. I'm, just try- I'm trying to help you out because I'm tired of hearing people say, well, I don't know how to have that conversation. I'm about to give you some valuable information on how to have a conversation. Yara, you can write that down. Y-A-R-A-H. Y-A-R-A-H. It means teaching or instruction, but it's also from the root word, the, the word Torah, Yara, which means to hit the mark. To hit the mark. The word sin actually has the same root word, yara, one more time. And it means to miss the mark. Hit the mark, miss the mark. Hit the mark, miss the mark. question that we would need to ask ourselves today is, are we hitting the mark? And you need to know what the mark really is. That's what Exodus chapter 20, I I did the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words, literally is what that is. Exodus chapter 20, the last two weeks. And then today I'm hitting Exodus chapter 21, 22, 23, in a very broad manner, so you just need to know that, because of the depth and and the laws in which it's covering. I'll, I'll go into that more in a second. But we step in and we have to ask ourselves, are we actually following God's teaching? This is why we're struggling so much, is because we are often aiming at the wrong target. Right? We live in a world, we live in a society in which we strive to, de- to get what we desire, our human flesh, this is what I want. And as a result of that, we're hitting a target but the wrong target. And one of the things that we cannot stand is when someone is trying to dictate to us who we should be. Anybody? You're probably the same person who struggles in submitting to Scripture, to God. You're probably... All right, because this is all of us in some way, even though we might not have raised our hand, is that we want to be able to tell God what we desire and then he accomplishes that rather than us asking God what his will is. And so here's Torah, Yara, to hit the target. And we often are missing the target because we're aiming at the wrong target. And so if you follow God's teaching, you're living based on how God has designed for you to live so what the 10 commandments are a structure that help us with the 613 laws that they had that they would follow or not follow right And they help us to understand what God's will is, God's design is, and whether or not we would live by that. So if we are living according to God's teaching, we're living how God designed us. If you don't follow his word, then you are sinning and you need to repent. But yet we give God thanks because we know that we're all sinners. Yes, we are a church that mentions sin, if you are new here, because we are all sinners. But guess what? We have Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and mercy, and we have salvation. Right? So yes, we live by grace. I mentioned this last week. We often think that God came through His Son Jesus Christ to demolish the law. We know that's not true. God came to, uh, through His Son Jesus Christ, to fulfill the law. And so we live by grace. Again, this is from a week ago, but if you weren't here, we live by grace, but we're guided by the law. Hey, don't go over there! Hey, make, don't no. no, no. Cliff, don't do it. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. Then you're going to get all upset that you got hurt. Then you're going to blame me. But I told you not to go over there. Isn't that what we do in life? When we don't obey the word of God, his teachings and his truth, and we're not guided by it, what ends up happening is something takes place in our life. Then we get upset with God. And he's like, I told you not to do it. I knew what it would lead to. Anybody resonate with that? Anybody who's a parent resonate that with your kids? That deserves at least one praise the Lord. Right? It's like, come on. Like, that's what we do. And it gets even more complicated for Westerners. Here's the reason why. You've got to remember that the Bible is written to Easterners, meaning the Westerner mindset is all about the individual. We compute, whether we even know it or not, the Western mindset is all about the individual. Are we getting what we want? Are we desire? You can't tell a person, an individual, that they're wrong especially today that's what it's become just call call out truth right an eastern mindset of this time period wasn't individual at all it was all about the community it was communal it was like how does this impact everybody and so people were constantly willing to do or not to do that which would better the community not necessarily the individual and so they lived together differently i think this is one of the reasons why That in the west in the united states of america if you look at the church today in america there's a growing disdain for christianity it will increase i assure you right even you go back right after to uh, the time um, where they're doing so much ministry in the 70s and 80s the first century church right 70s, 80s, that kind of thing. Not 1970s, 80s. You got this place called Rome. You have the emperor by the name of Nero. You remember this? And even when the city was burning and everything else, every single time he excelled at blaming Christians for anything bad that happened, even when they had nothing to do with it. Friends, that will be, that is what's coming. God is about to receive the blame for anything that the the, the individual does not like. part of it so we see this and we know this and so again we struggle now because not only are the laws that we have given to us to guide us individually but they're actually given to us to guide us as a community together so what happens also in the western church in the church of america what takes place is that not only are we missing the mark, but a lot of times we're not stepping into community even though we may go to a church. We really are resistant to accountability. We're re- 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 we are resistant to allowing people to really know who we are, to be held accountable, to be encouraged, to be sharpened, to grow together. We want to grow individually and then we want to claim this great maturity of ourself. But if you look biblically, you can't claim to be a mature believer necessarily as an individual. You, ha- you do it together as a community. We We're brothers and sisters in Christ. To me, that's glorious. You are my brothers and my sisters. I'm grateful I don't have to feed you all on Thanksgiving. Right? But we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we get to stand for Christ together? Yes or no? Right? We get to declare his goodness together. Yes or no? And we get to stand together when things are hard? Yes. When things are good? Yes. And we get to live life with one another as his community. It's beautiful. Now, you have to choose to want to live in that community. So if you show up once or twice a month and you're like, I'm not going to ever be in a small group or I'm not going to ever get to know people, or, I'm not going to ever do this, and then you bellyache and complain about the community, that's on you. 100%. That's like getting upset with your kids when they never come back for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Right? And then they say, well, we're not very close together. Well, well you've got to spend time together. So we struggle often with the word of God and what it's teaching us about the law, what it's teaching us because we struggle in knowing what he's really calling us to do and to be about. Here's another way to be able to process this, okay? Um, When it comes to our relationship with the law, there are certain things that it does for us. Now, I want to call these things out. You've got them there in your sermon notes. There's some fill in the blanks. I want you to fill it out because um, I'm going to call out some words and inside internally right you're going to have a particular emotion or a feeling when i call out these things and i want you to evaluate that and determine where you are okay so here's our relationship to the old testament law or even instruction when it comes to just generally in life here's the purpose of it this is what it does for us one it governs and disciplines it governs and disciplines and in our world we don't want like anybody ever wake up and go man I can't wait to to go be disciplined anybody said that before even when you know you've messed up you go man I can't wait to learn my lesson I mean I, I can't wait but that's what the law does for us Old Testament and New Testament, the instruction of God, that's what he's giving us, is an instruction of God. And the thing is, we we reject it, we push against it. Why? Because we honestly, we think that we're here to tell God our desires rather than to ask God his desire. You're not here to tell God continually what your desires are. You're here to ask God, as a, if you belong to him, God, what is your will? What is your desire? How do you desire for me to be guided, to be governed, to be directed? What does that look like? And then to be obedient to him. That's how we know if we're hitting the right mark. I mean, that's the problem with the church in America today, honestly, is that we think that we're hitting the target, and often we are, but we're aiming at the wrong target. So the relationship with the scriptures, with the law, with all of it, is one, it is to govern and to discipline. Also, another thing that it does is it guides and directs in knowing the will of God. It guides and directs in knowing the will of God. That's what it does. We find that in Romans chapter 2, verse 13 as well. But it guides and directs us. It's like, hey, this is where I want you to go. Don't do this. Do this. This is how I want you to. I want. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to bless you. You got to remember, the Israelites came out of captivity from what nation? Egypt. Egypt. They're about to go into the They're going into. They're in the wilderness now. In this portion of scripture, how long would they be there? 40 years. Forty years. They're coming out. They had lived in Egypt for how many years? Do so you know this one? Four hundred. They're walking out as a nation. They don't have a constitution. They don't have anything saying this is how you act or behave or don't behave. God's giving it to them so that they can conduct themselves in a way that is honoring to him. If you automatically want to push against anybody who is trying to guide you according to scripture, if you're automatically pushing against God, right? That's what some of us do. Well, if the Bible says this, then I'm out because I deserve, you deserve nothing you're a sinner but we are able to know through grace the power of what it is to be in a relationship with the heavenly father some the people who struggle the most with god they have the wrong target that they're aiming at and the middle of their target is self-fulfillment there is no true self-fulfillment and freedom outside of the name of jesus yes yes It guides us and it directs in knowing the will of God. Another thing it does is it reminds us of our need for God. Because without it, we'll live a life to our own means and we will live a life that leads to destruction. Right? We see it happening today right go go research right and 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 make sure when you research metrics today on suicide depression and anxiety and all these different things that you then actually research if they're using the same scale that they did 10 years ago because what they've done today is they just changed the scale oh we're doing better no we're not it's you can't get into a counseling center you're on five months waiting list so we're going to build one So that we can actually have a biblical counseling center guiding people according to the full will of God. Not according to somebody's preference. Live according to your preference, you will lead to destruction. Live according to the will of God and you will know how to have life and to have it abundantly. Amen? You've got me riled up today. If you're new here, I'm not usually like this. The first service is my favorite because <laughs> they didn't laugh at that. Um, I want to read for you Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5 and 8. And it's talking about what was happening with the Israelites between them and God and what God was doing in giving them the law and giving them the statutes. This is what it says. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me. That you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Guys, I have more ground for you. I have more territory for you. I've got something special for you. But I need you to obey my will, my word, my instruction, to be guided, right? Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom. Here's what he's saying. If you do my will, the instruction that I've laid out for you, guess what you're going to have? Wisdom understanding in the sight of the peoples who when they hear all these statutes will say surely this great nation is wise and understanding for what great nation is there that has a god so near to it as the lord our god is to us Whenever we call upon him. And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. The law is a gift from God to guide our lives, to straighten our lives, for us to live by, to teach justice, to give us a love for other people that we would not have otherwise because we desire to live together in community, not simply as individuals chasing our own tail. That's why he gives us how many laws in the Old Testament? 613. 613. Hopefully, maybe, many of you already know that. (coughs) 365 of them are do-nots. 365 do-nots. I think that's interesting. One for each day. You better not do this. I don't know. What we would, we always considered them. I even said it in the first service and I've changed this, this part of the message because I said 365 negatives. Do nots are not necessarily negatives. I think we need to recalibrate. There's also 365 times that God says do not fear or do not be afraid in the word of God. Then you have 248 do's, instructions in that manner. So 365, 248, hey, these are things I want you to do. This is a large portion of it, chapter 20, 21, 22, 23, and following even. But this is like the, the central hub of that. We know that in chapter 21, it starts off with, now these are the rules that you shall set before them. And it just calls it out. Here are the rules. I just delivered you out of captivity, and I know that you excel at grumbling and, but I got some rules for you to live by. If you don't live by these rules, you're going to end up in hardship. But if you live by these rules, things are going to be better for you. All right? So as a result, and what you have, these are the judgments that you shall set before them. And you're going to jump into a few chapters that deal with employment law. All right, that deal with murder and manslaughter and liability for one's animals and theft and restitution with that and rape and virginity and personal injury and idolatry and the disadvantage and social justice issues. That's all just boom right here for us today. We're about to solve the problems of the world. And he jumps in and I'm going to give you, instead of walking through all of these verses I'm going to give you the five primary general, and this is, you can go online and probably find three pages outlines every single thing. Um, I'm going to give you the five general themes that I find in these next three chapters, five general themes that I find in these next three chapters. One, it speaks about slavery chapter 21 1 through 11 these first 11 it's speaking speaks even it says in verse 7 when a man sells his daughter as a slave she shall not go out as as the male slaves do and it gives instruction now you need to know in terms of laws regarding slavery slavery in the ancient world was an accepted norm but also it it looked looked nothing like it did in the 19th century america like people if someone comes to you and says well God wants slavery and blah, blah, blah. It was a totally different thing, completely different. Did you know that there's actually more laws protecting slavery because of what it meant in the Bible than pretty much anything else? Israel's laws provided more protection for slaves than any other specific law in that era. And we don't think of it in the proper way today because of what our nation made it and what others have made it as well. So we need to think about it differently. So I'm about to say some things from a biblical perspective, not a Western perspective 2021. you got to know the difference. Our uncomfortable nature doesn't mean I have a right to step away from the truth of God's word. Okay, so I just need to say that. I'm speaking from a biblical, here I am, here's what the Word of God is doing, not from what we have done today as sinners and what we have done wrong. A lot of times slavery was temporary. Right, That was a biblical thing. Hey, I need to do this, and you take out a big loan, so you agree to work for somebody from a certain length of time. They were often members of the household that they worked for, and they had rights and they were able to live a beautiful life, meaning they were like, hey, this is just my job, and they provide for me, and they, they live their own life. Like, it's not what we have made it. The laws of slavery somewhat revealed for the, for the people, again, I'm speaking biblically, it, it revealed for them, for what slavery was for them, an aspect of being able to be willing to be subservient to God, saying, hey, listen, thank you. Uh, But it wasn't what we made it. I'm going to keep saying that because I know these things are being recorded. I'm going, okay, wait a second here, guys. I want to give you a passage. Because this passage stands out to me, 1 Peter 2.16. And I want you to take it home and read it over lunch, read it this week. It is a passage that if we sit with it for a moment, we go, no way. Because it's about to say two things in this passage that go together that we would actually reject one of them. We don't think that they can can go hand in hand. The reason for that is because of our Western mentality. The individual and because of what we have made something. This is what it says. Live as people who are free. Live as people who are what? Free. 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 You just got to remember that word. Live as people who are free. Free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Everybody say servants. It just said the word free and servants, and they actually go together. Do we understand that the law, the target that God is giving us, actually leads to greater freedom? So that we're not slave to self, so that we're not slave to others, so that we're not slave to sin. But yet we have the honor of being slave to a God that is full of mercy and grace and renewal and redemption. And so here's a passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, that says, wait, live as people who are free as servants of God. And typically, I don't see many people today who would go, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it shows you our struggle in being able to interpret biblically because of what our community and the way that our community has impacted our hearts and our minds. So yes, the first section is on slavery. The second section... Chapter 21, 12 through 17, is on hurting others or, or murder. Don't hurt other people. What are you doing? And it speaks about those. It's telling you them what to do or not to do. The third section, twenty-one, chapter 21, 18 through 32, is all about violent or offenses or even animals. It speaks a lot about that. Now, you've got to remember, there are two primary things that measured wealth to them. Land and animals. That's, that's how somebody would, be, would, would go, oh man, look at all the livestock that they have. Look at the amount of land that they have. And so all of that matters. And so here this is addressing that and it's saying, listen, um, 21, 18 through 32, violent offenses or animals. Uh, twenty one Chapter 21, verse 33 through twenty two seventeen 17, property rights. I told you, animals and land, right? And this is what you do or don't do. It, it speaks about that very thing. And even the restitution that comes with that, if, so it starts out with when a man, verse 33, when a man opens a pit or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it and an ox or donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall make restoration. Why? Because everybody was using that land together. They were roaming different places. They didn't have all the fences like we would think about today. So if you weren't responsible in covering that up and somebody lost something valuable, livestock was very valuable, you need to make restitution for that. Because you weren't responsible in covering the hole. Talks about that continually. And then it jumps in and speaks, yes, about not only the property rights, but lastly, about the additional laws and worship and social responsibility, social justice. This is chapter twenty-two, eighteen, all the way through chapter 23, verse 33. And so it's saying, this, this is broad. I understand this is broad. But I'm actually trying to give you it in a manner in which I hope that you will retain some of it. If I give you a page on all of it, I don't think we remember any. Hopefully you remember the primary themes that we see here through Scripture. So he's calling this out. And it is important. Because God is showing us, he is revealing to us what? He's letting us know that, guys, if you keep my law, my will... You're going to be hitting the mark. So He's letting them be reminded of this. Even later, in Exodus chapter 23, we'll jump over to that. And it says, if I want to read verse 19, because I think it signifies more than we know. It says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. This is speaking about the entirety of their life. That God is saying, guys, I have something so special for you. Give me the very best of all that you have. Because it's worth it. I live by my instruction. Let me guide you and, yes, dictate you in many ways. Like We don't want anything to govern us but if you believe that the Heavenly Father is a good God, a good Lord, then you're willing to submit to His will and to give Him your very best. To give Him the first fruits, not, not leftovers, right? You give Him the very best that you have. So why don't we ask all of you to engage in two things even right now. The very first thing I want everybody to do is to make a sp- spiritual pledge to god that you want to be transformed to wake maybe that's where you start your spiritual journey as you just ask every day continually god transform me i don't know what that looks like i'm scared to death i don't know what to do um, except to say god help, help, transform me help me to know what it is to grow in you to believe in you to to sacrifice for you to to lead and to serve help me know what that means that's why that board is out there in the middle of the entire area It's because we want you to join us And putting that dot on the wall somewhere and saying, I'm going to be transformed spiritually. do Do I want you to give financially in terms of the pledge and trying to pay this off and to go other places and sites and everything else? Yes, but I don't talk about it much. I get in trouble for it because I don't think churches have money problems. I think they have spiritual problems. I think if we're healthy spiritually, everything else will take care of itself. Fundraising groups hate me. And we need to understand that God truly wants the best for us. And we need to go before God and stop declaring, God, this is my will, do it. And then getting upset. What we need to be doing is saying, God, what is your will? And his will is that we live by certain instruction in our life. Stop being disobedient to the will of God and expecting God to bless your life. Well, I know what he says about sex before marriage. I know what he says about living with people who I'm not united with in the covenant before God. I know what he says about all this stuff. I know what he says. Get out of my business. That's our attitude sometimes. And then we want him to bless us. And then when he doesn't bless us, we get upset. Why would I bless my kids? Why? Nobody wants to continually give to somebody who is constantly asking. And nobody wants to constantly do and to give to anybody who's constantly being disobedient to their guidance. Hey, I want you to do this, I want you to do this, this will help out, and they constantly are disobedient, and then your kids get upset that you're not doing for them when they won't even clean their own room. It makes absolutely no sense. One parent, does that make sense? No. I said that the wrong way. You were right. Right? It's like, what are we doing? And so here, he's letting us know what the target is. And the winning of this, if you hit the right target, you know what the target is, which is obedience to the will of God. You don't get a t-shirt, you get an intimate relationship with the Heavenly Father. And one of the greatest ways you can show your love for anybody is by being willing to listen to them and to be guided by them. Scripture lets us know part of that is through obedience. Guys, I'm I wouldn't ah I wasn't, uh, wasn't going to share this again. I do what I do. Man, I love God so. I don't even typically want to be on this stage. Here's something about me, okay? I'll make it personal. I don't want to be up here. I want woods. I want a lot of alone time. I do what I do out of obedience to God. And I know how wretched of a person I am without him. But I can't say that I love my Father in heaven and then be disobedient to him. You want to see people who live with strength, real strength and real power? Show me someone who's living according to the conviction of God in their life. Who's willing to say, this is the target that God is wanting me to hit and I will give my best of everything in order to accomplish that. And that's the desire of Chapel Point, to say, this is what God wants us to hit. This is the target, and we will not stop until that happens, to let the name of Jesus be known. And so if we step out of this place and we simply go back and we go, well, I'm going to live according to myself, you no longer belong to self. So here's my question. Have you personally been redeemed? That's the easy one. Read the second part. And are you now ruled? Are you ruled by God? Are you willing to receive his instruction, his word, all these laws and say, yeah, I understand we're saved by grace, but God gives us parameters. He gives us fences. He gives us boundaries for a reason. And I love them so much. I just want to be obedient to them. And so I'm going to sacrifice preference out of sin. And I'm going to be obedient to the fullness of the word of God so that I can show Him how much I love Him. Are you hitting the mark? that God has set before you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. before him. Oh, may we be holy and blameless before the Lord. God, I come before you and I give you thanks for who you are and all that you've done. And God, I ask that you would give us a heart eager to be obedient, obedient because we believe so deeply that your law, your word guides us into a greater relationship with you. And so we declare your goodness in Christ's name, amen.